On Saturday, August 7th, 2021, Officer Ella French and her partner pulled over a car at the intersection of West 63rd Street and South Bell Avenue in Chicago. During the traffic stop, one of the occupants of the vehicle pulled a gun and shot Officer French and her partner. Despite their injuries, the officers managed to return fire and wounded one of the suspects. The officers were transported to the University of Chicago Medical Center, where Officer Ella French died of her wounds in the line of duty. It's time to start telling our own stories. I'm Steve Kellums, and welcome to Blue Canary. The death of Ella French is only one of over 200 in the line of duty deaths so far in 2021, but it grabbed the public's attention for a short period of time. Officer French gave her life to protect her city, and she deserves the highest honor for her sacrifice. But she wasn't the first, nor will she be the last. On April 9, 2020, Officer Brianne Leith of the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department was murdered while responding to a domestic violence call. Officer Leith's murder inspired me to start this podcast. You signed up for it. It's part of your job, is a statement I, and I'm sure you, have heard all too often. The idea that when you sign up to be a cop, you have somehow agreed to being murdered is ridiculous. That sentiment is typically made by those who believe that being a cop is somehow less than being human. It's a statement made out of hate. But what are the consequences of murdering a police officer? In Dave Grossman's 1996 best-selling book, On Killing, he identifies a concept he calls the universal phobia. Grossman says that most people cannot intentionally kill another human being. While these people can be responsible for accidental deaths and crimes of passion, the premeditated intentional killing of another person is almost impossible, and this constitutes the universal phobia. He goes on to describe the psychological trauma that can occur when someone takes another person's life. I believe that the concepts discussed in On Killing are not simply anchored to the individual. I believe those same issues can be found in a community as a whole. When you look at the killing of a police officer, that psychological trauma doesn't stay with the individual. It's absorbed by the community. A person who is willing and capable of killing a law enforcement officer, a representative of the community, will likely have no issue killing anyone else. And when a community loses an officer to an in-the-line-of-duty murder, everyone feels a little of the pain, shock, and fear. Everyone hurts. There are a lot of reasons officers die in the line of duty. Everything from automobile accidents to health issues to assaults. In 2019, 151 officers died in the line of duty. That number increases dramatically in 2020 to 369, with 240 of those deaths being caused by officers contracting COVID-19 while on the job. But for this episode, I'm going to focus on the assaults against officers. Understanding why and how officers are murdered in the line of duty is critical, not just for the officers themselves, but for the communities they live and work in. Where, when, how, and why are officers being murdered? One of the tasks of the Federal Bureau of Investigations is to gather data and information involving law enforcement officers killed and assaulted in the line of duty. This is known as the LEOCA Project. Since 1996, the FBI has been gathering and compiling this information and sharing it with the public as well as other law enforcement agencies. It's been used to develop survival training for officers and is very important data to be familiar with and understand. Now, this is going to get a little number heavy, but I'm going to try to focus on a few important and interesting figures. I'm also going to look at statistics from 2019, 2020, and 2021 up to the recording of this podcast. 
That will help us understand what may or may not be changing in the world around us. And spoiler alert, there have definitely been some changes. In 2019, 48 law enforcement officers were murdered in the line of duty. That number dropped slightly in 2020 to 46. In the first seven months of 2021, 44 cops have been murdered. If that rate continues for 2021, we will see over 75 officers murdered in the line of duty this year. That is an increase of over 56% from 2019. You might point to the decline in deaths during 2020 as an indicator that the anti-police movement had no bearing on this violence, but with the COVID-19 pandemic at its height during 2020, there were lockdowns. Police enforcement and action was at a historical low. Even with dramatically low numbers of public interactions, police were still murdered at a rate nearly the same as 2019. By 2021, most agencies were back to normal business, and the murder rate among officers has skyrocketed. 56% increase is a huge number and should be very concerning. Why have our numbers jumped so greatly? Obviously, the defund the police movement in conjunction with protesters calling all officers bad and advocating for the murder of police officers has had an effect. The politicians, media, and celebrities pushing the anti-police rhetoric only reinforce the protesters' signs and chants. This has made the dangerous job of policing even more so. What are the officers doing when they're murdered? During enforcement action tends to be the most likely time an officer would get murdered. Retrained for years that the most dangerous time is during an arrest situation. The moment the cuffs go on is when the bad guy decides to fight. That has continued to be the highest statistical point of resistance. However, a smaller statistic has raised some red flags. I'm talking about ambushes and unprovoked attacks. Both show extreme aggression and planning on the part of the suspect. In other words, the bad guy planned to murder the officers either before the officers even knew what was going on or at the first chance the officers gave the bad guy to act. In 2019, Two officers were murdered during an ambush and five were murdered in an unprovoked attack. In 2020, nine officers were ambushed and murdered while two were killed in an unprovoked attack. Remember, 2020 meant fewer opportunities for bad guys to attack police because of lower interactions, so the bad guys set us up. In 2021, the ambushes have dropped back down to four, but since the police are back to doing business, as usual, the opportunities have increased. The number of officers murdered in unprovoked attacks has jumped to 14. Let's put this in perspective, in case I lost you with those numbers. In 2019, seven police officers were murdered for no reason. In 2020, that number grew to 11. And in the first seven months of 2021, that number is 18. If that rate continues, we will see more than 30 officers gunned down by the end of the year. And gun down is a good descriptor. Firearms are the most often used tool to assault police. God made man, but Sam Colt made man equal. In 2019, 44 of the 48 murders were committed with a firearm. In 2020, 41 of the 46 murders were committed with a firearm. And so far in 2021, 36 of the 44 murders were committed with a firearm. With firearms being the weapon most often used... Police should focus on ways to mitigate the damage. That leads us to body armor. Armor to protect soldiers in battle has been around pretty much since Cain bashed Abel over the head with a rock. 
In 2009, the Indiana State Legislature made it a requirement that all police departments purchase body armor for their officers and replace it, when necessary, at no cost to the officer. This tracked with many other states, and by 2010, most department policies across the United States required police officers to wear body armor. In 2019, 30 of the 48 officers murdered in the line of duty were working in motor patrol. That's the typical full uniform, show up in the marked police car when called shift. The other 18 were murdered while working other details, such as tactical assignments, special duties, investigations, off-duty work, etc. Most agencies require body armor to be worn when in uniform, so when we see 30 motor patrol officers murdered and 30 officers wearing body armor, that tracks. In 2020, only 26 of the 46 officers were wearing body armor, but 34 were assigned to motor patrol. That means some officer somewhere decided to go to work and not put on the one thing designed solely to keep them alive. That's a failure on so many levels. It gets worse. So far in 2021, we don't have the statistics yet for how many of the 44 murdered officers were working a patrol shift, but we do know that only 16 of the 44 were wearing body armor. People, put on your body armor. Blue Canary is here to help you tell your stories. And I couldn't do that without the help of some very generous sponsors. Let's take a quick break to hear from one. Help your team rise to increasing expectations with Agency 360's cloud-based software. Whether it is for the training of new employees or annual performance evaluations, Agency 360 can help trainers and supervisors streamline documentation, create consistency, and communicate clearly. Help retention by setting the tone and culture early with Agency 360. Learn more at Agency360.com. That's A-G-E-N-C-Y 360.com. Dates and times are often given special attention. One thing I can tell you for certain after 30 years in the business is that deadly force encounters can happen anywhere any time, to anyone. But what do the statistics have to say about dates and times? While the statistics track months of the year and days of the week, there aren't very many strong correlations there. Things get interesting when you look at the time of day in which officers are murdered. Many officers feel like the most dangerous times at work are those midnight shifts. We joke that nothing good ever happens after midnight, but you must understand that the highest call volume takes place between noon and midnight. At my department, 42% of all calls for service at the department came in between 1.30 p.m. and 10 p.m. The more interactions you have, the more likely something is going to happen. Also, when you're running from one call to the next and the screen is full of pendings, you don't have time to think. We cut corners to speed things up. Officers stop using contact and cover tactics. We stop waiting for backup and we stop being safe. This is where the major issues of being understaffed and overworked come into play. Officers work hard for their communities and often respond like they're getting paid by the call and not by the hour. These lead to poor decisions being made in how to respond to calls. That opens us up to threats that can and do result in not going home that night or ever again. I remember one early evening at work, I was dispatched to a suspicious person call. The complainant said that a man was moving items out of an apartment and the caller had never seen the man before and didn't think they belonged at the residence. We were slammed. Calls were backed up and officers were running from one place to the next. I acknowledged a call and headed that way by myself. I should have waited for backup, 
I should have taken my time and made sure I was safe. But we were busy. There wasn't going to be anyone free for a while. I was sure it wasn't a big deal. Probably didn't realize they had new neighbors. So I rolled on it anyway. By myself. I would also like to point out that my supervisor didn't call me off. No one stepped in and said, hold that call until we have proper staffing to take it. He should have. But he was busy too. When I got there, I came into contact with the suspect. He was loading a truck with stuff from the apartment. Just piled it up in the front like he owned the place. So I assumed he did. What's going on, I said. Just moving, was his reply. Cool. You got some ID? The fight was on. I completely misread the situation, and because we were busy and I didn't wait for backup, I ended up fighting with a burglar. I broke my left hand during the fight. Didn't even realize it until I had the guy pinned and was reaching for my handcuffs. That's when I realized my hand no longer worked right. I had to sit on the guy for seven minutes until I got backup. I got lucky that night. It could have gone very differently. You see, we start taking things for granted. We forget just how dangerous the job is and that there are people out there who want to murder us just because of the uniform we wear. It's important to understand the big picture and recognize the danger. If you were unaware of the Lioko Project, well, now you know. If you were aware of it, then make sure you make it a habit to read up on it every year and understand the trends. Forewarned is forearmed. You need to get home safely every night. Your family needs you to get home safely every night. Your community needs you to get home safely every night. And that's the story we have to tell. Thank you for joining. As always, I'm curious what questions you're getting asked. What isn't the news covering? What story needs to be told? Connect with me at bluecanarypodcast at gmail.com. 